What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Slapshot Podcast. My name is Sam Nestler. I am your host. Today, it's just me, and we're going to talk some college hockey. I have been so into college hockey in the last few months, uh, kind of dropped off a little bit over the last few years, just getting so into the NHL and other leagues and the pros that I kind of stopped paying attention as much to college hockey until the Frozen Four. But man, as soon as I found that there was some options to watch a bunch of games that weren't on national TV, it was just uh, mind-blowing, and I'm able to watch a ton of games and really, really enjoying it. It's a different style of hockey, and it's just a ton of fun to watch. So we're going to talk college hockey, a general roundup on the season, along with some Frozen Four picks. Then we're going to go into the NHL, and we're going to talk about how the season's going to turn out. Will they play 56 games each? What happens if they don't? And then we're going to talk about the end of the season, what is such a a hot topic for the last few months, what's going to happen in the playoffs? Because last year we had the bubble. This year we were supposed to be a little bit better off with the coronavirus. And as of right now, it's not looking like we're going to have full stadiums and things that we hoped. So we're going to look at that and see what kind of options we're looking at. So let's start off with college hockey, though. It's been an interesting year. And, you know, the biggest thing that happened this season, I think, is that a lot of big names left for the World Juniors uh, in the beginning of the season. So a lot of those guys left and went and played in the World Juniors for their country. And a lot of teams are arguing that maybe they would have a better season if they had those guys back in the lineup. So that's an interesting topic we'll get into. And then we're going to talk about the the Frozen Four and the whole tournament and how that's going to be selected. So uh, beginning of the season, Minnesota came out hot. 10 and 0 uh, started off the season. They're number one for most of the year, and they were number one f- all the way until I believe a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now. Um, and they looked like they were going to be the dominant team in in the uh, in the Big Ten. But then all of a sudden, they went into a weekend matchup with Wisconsin for two games, and they got run out of the building. They lost, I believe it was eight to one and six nothing, or something something ridiculous on the second game where they weren't even competing. And everyone thought that, okay, let's pencil Minnesota in for that Big Ten champion. And if anything was going to happen, maybe it would be later on in the the tournament where someone might beat them or or upset them. But I don't think anybody believed that they were going to lose so badly to Wisconsin in two games back-to-back. Now, they responded, and they came back, and now they've won uh, four of the last five, I believe, and are now back leading the Big Ten. Um, Wisconsin, on the other hand, is was playing really well, came out, um, and looked like they were going to have a chance to come back and jump over Minnesota after they took the lead in the in the conference after beating them. And then they lost two games in a row. And then now, just yesterday, they're playing Notre Dame, and they go up 3-1. to one, uh, After trailing one nothing two minutes in, they go up 3-1. to one. Looks like they're going to handle the game. They're out playing them. They're out shooting them, everything. One bad penalty, Notre Dame scores. One bad play, Notre Dame ties it up. All of a sudden, that game goes back and forth, back and forth. Eventually, the game gets tied by Wisconsin with with just 10 seconds left uh, in the third period after they had left uh, lost the lead in the, in the final third or the final minutes of the third period. And then Notre Dame ended up winning the game in the shootout, um, which was if you can get to the highlights, Notre Dame goalie actually falls down in the final shot of the shootout, but still makes the save, uh, sticking his glove out. So. That was pretty incredible. I am, excuse the sound, there are icicles falling from the roof um, as we had the crazy storm last week. 
it's a pretty drastic change today. I'm sure you can hear the birds are tweeting outside. Um, we got the sun out, all the snow's melting. So if you hear some loud noises, it's uh, it's probably those icicles parading their way down from the from the roof of the apartment. But so Wisconsin loses to Notre Dame, which was definitely an upset. And now it's kind of questionable what's going to happen in that Big Ten uh, because you know you have you have Minnesota leading and uh, you have Wisconsin right behind them, and then the drop-off is massive. I mean, looking at the at the points, you get three points for regulation win, two for an overtime win, and one for an overtime or shootout loss in college hockey, which should be the way it is in the NHL in my mind. But Minnesota's sitting at 45 points, Wisconsin at 41 points, and Michigan at 29. So it's a pretty massive drop-off there. Uh, and you got Notre Dame right there with 29 as well. So now it's kind of the question of what's going to happen in that Big Ten tournament. But Minnesota looks to be looks to be a, a hot team. They're coming out and beating teams pretty bad. If they're if you're not in the top four or five of the rankings, Minnesota has has handled that team pretty well. So, but then you look at other other leagues, and you know other teams are are a little more even. You know, looking at the Atlantic Hockey Division, you got AIC with 32 points, Robert Morris with 29, Army with 30. So they're all sitting right up top there. Um, you're looking at the the ECAC is a little bit more separated, only with four teams, but Quinnipiac and, and Clarkson up there with 28 and 19 points, respectively. The Hockey East Boston College has been a shocking team um, this year. I don't think it was it was expected for them to be as good as they've been, but they're sitting at 44 points with almost a 20-point gap between them and Boston in the Hockey East. Uh, and then rounding out the group, you got the NCHC and the WCHA. Uh, Minnesota State with a healthy 13-point lead over Lake Superior in the WCHA. And then NCHC North Dakota, who is expected to win the conference, uh, is is up seven points from St. Cloud, so a little closer. But it'll be interesting because they all have to play the tournaments at the end of the year for the the you know the champion of the conference. So you get the regular season champions, but then you get the conference champions. And it's such an interesting thing in college hockey because – if a team just comes out and plays well that weekend, they get the conference champion. And that is that is such a cool way to look at it, where you can be the four seed in the conference coming in. You're playing the, the number one seed that looks to run away with the conference title, and you come in and, and find a way to beat them. And you're able to get that conference and and that um, automatic bid to the, to the NCAA attorney. So it'll be interesting down the road here. We're just a few weeks out from those conference tournaments, um, and those are going to be so much fun. But... Other than that, biggest biggest uh, storyline has been Cole Caulfield from from Wisconsin. He was the front runner for the Hobie Baker this year, and he has not disappointed. Uh, he's got 19 goals, leading the leading the country by far. And you know, just watching him in some games, especially against Minnesota and Notre Dame, he just flies around the ice. He he looks to be a step ahead of everyone else in the country, which is why he was a front runner for the for the trophy. But a lot of times those awards you predict them and they're not nearly as much of a runaway uh even if the guy wins that's predicted to win it's not normally that much of a runaway uh especially in in college where it can be such an emotional game and up and down but Cole Caulfield not letting anyone down with that he's had 19 goals and looks to to lead Wisconsin to try to win that that Big Ten so looking at all the conferences like I said this the way that NCAA attorney will will lay out starting in on March 28th will be the regionals uh, with the Frozen Four being on April 10th, and it's going to be in Pittsburgh this year. Uh, I believe no fans or anything like that is expected, but the way it'll work is six conference champions will get the automatic bid, and then 10 
at-large bids will be for the 10 next best teams. So right now, the conference leaders, we got Minnesota, North Dakota, Minnesota State, Boston College, Quinnipiac, and AIC. Uh, so that looks to be, you know, a couple of those are close, but those look to be the leaders for those automatic bids. Then the, the 10 at-large bids are much more complicated, so I'm not even going to try to get into guessing what those are going to be. Um, and the reason they're so complicated, you know, you can you can kind of pick and choose the teams, but if you look at the at the records, it's unbelievable because of this this COVID situation that some teams have played drastically less games than other teams. Um, you know, you have teams that that missed a full week because someone had COVID, or you have teams that uh, another team got it that you were going to play for three straight games, so you miss all those games. And just like the NHL, you know, they're adjusting and trying to go as it, as you know, as best that they can, but it's been a lot harder for college where the NHL has so many resources and so much going on. College is a lot less uh, intense, if that, you know, if that makes sense, where they're not going to have all of those resources to be able to get those players back They're They're not going to have as, as much testing and as much, uh, you know, they don't have the space to go just put someone in a house and have them recover. And it's just a, a, a lot more difficult for these college players. So I there's teams that have played very little games. There's teams that have missed, you know, I'm looking at Vermont right now is one seven and two compared to Boston college. Who's 15, three, one, and oh, three and one with the ridiculous win loss tie shootout overtime record that they do in college. But I mean, the fact that they're only playing, what is that, 10 games compared to the other teams that are playing over 20, um, how do you compare those? And let's just jump right into that with when the NCAA attorney field comes in, you know, obviously the the six teams are going to be who wins the conference. That's as simple as it gets. And then after that, you get the 10 teams that you pick. And here's the arguments. How do you compare a team that only played uh, 12 games to a team that played 27? Um, and I believe the the limit is 10. You have to play 10 games in order to be eligible for the NCAA tournament. So how do you compare a team that played 12 games compared to one that played 28? You know, the the team might be 11 and one, but they only played 12 games. And maybe those games were all were against a lot of lower end teams, uh, w- whether it's out of conference or the bottom of their conference. And then you look at a team like Minnesota, who's played everybody and they're playing all over and they're playing the top teams in the conference and they're playing top teams from other conferences and they're beating those teams. But now, you know, those the the seven or six losses from that team, how do those look compared to those other ones? So it's going to be really, really tough for that NCAA attorney committee to pick those teams with the with all those things in mind and then you look at what i mentioned earlier which is the the world juniors as well as covid uh you know if a player was out with covid so sometimes you know players had to leave for a few weeks and the team played without them um or how does a team stack up where they got off to a nine and one start and then missed two weeks of covid and then went three and five on the for the rest of the you know month or whatever where now it shows that they were a really good team and the COVID messed with their with their situation. Then the World Junior situation where a lot of these teams are saying, well, we we, you know, let's say we were 15 and and five with this player in the lineup, and then he went and left for whatever it is a month um to play in the World Juniors, and we lost five of seven games. You know, how do you how do you argue that? And that's been something that has been kind of the the buzz around college hockey this year where a lot of teams are, are trying to make their argument for why they might be a better pick. Um, and that's always a tough argument too with the different conferences because 
you know, Minnesota is going to play a tougher schedule than an AIC. Um, that's just the way it's laid out. But now with the World Juniors players and the COVID, and then now you get arguments on top of that where if let's let's say that the committee took into account that they were missing two of their best players for, for Team Canada at the Juniors. Okay, now another team is like, well, what about us? We missed our all-star player for 10 games for an injury. If you're going to say that those guys leaving for juniors is going to count towards their schedule being a little bit less, you know, their their loss is not counting as much, then this guy's leg injury that he missed 10 games for should also count towards that. So it just it just gets muddier and muddier and muddier no matter how much you dig into it. So I'm really interested to see um, and I'm hoping they televise this this committee um, picks because I never watch those, you know, March Madness tournament field shows and any of that stuff but this one is going to be very very interesting to see what they talk about why they pick the team over another team who ends up getting left out and who ends up sneaking in at the, at the very bottom so very excited to see that but that like i said frozen Four, april 10th should be super exciting um, and this season has been a lot of fun you know i've i've not been able to watch some of the other conferences because they make it nearly impossible to watch <laughs> some of those some of those other conferences games if they're not on national television or at least Fox Sports or something like that. But being able to see some of these guys and the heart that goes into these games, um, the emotion, and I'm so excited for the players too to to get back to next year and hopefully have fans because watching some of these games with the cardboard cutouts and the announcers, they don't even, you can't even hear the goal horn in the background when you're watching it on TV. So it's, it's almost like you just hear the announcers say, and they score. And then it's quiet. It's, it's terrible. So very excited for some fans to get back in the building next year, uh, hopefully, and for these players to really get back into what college hockey is about, which is the energy and the and everything that goes into that those games. You know, those Saturday night games up in Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin, whatever it is, that's what a college hockey is about. So I'm excited for that to get back, hopefully, next year. But let's jump into the Frozen Four. So I'm I'm gonna go with my picks for the Frozen Four. Like I said, I'm not even gonna try to to pick who's going to be in the whole tournament um maybe i can do that in a, in a week or two with with another guest that we can kind of kind of debate it out but right now i'm just going to pick the frozen four so what i think will happen i think minnesota will make it uh winning the big 10 i believe that they will beat uh wisconsin in for the big 10 i believe north dakota will win their conference i believe boston college will also win their conference um they're kind of far and away the the best team there and I think Wisconsin will get a at-large bid um, since they're not going to win the Big Ten. So my Frozen Four is Minnesota versus Wisconsin, North Dakota versus Boston College, which I think are, are really exciting games because Minnesota-Wisconsin is obviously a, a rematch of the, the blowout that happened in uh, a few weeks ago. And it'll be a lot. It'll probably be a rematch again because those two teams will pro- most likely meet each other again in a few weeks for the Big Ten championship. Um, depending on how they seed those guys out and everything. But North Dakota BC will also be a really interesting game. North Dakota is kind of a sneaky team where they don't get a ton of buzz. Um, and they don't normally get a ton of buzz until they get up to that tournament. Um, they kind of sneak quietly in, win most of their games, and be in the top five to top seven of the rankings every year. But they don't get a ton of of the, the spotlight. You know, everybody talks about the Minnesotas and the Boston College and BU and, and all those guys. But North Dakota will be an interesting one. So my picks for those games, I believe Minnesota will beat Wisconsin. Um, I just think they're a better team after watching their games the past 
couple months, I think they have just, you know, I think they were just off when they played Wisconsin. I think that I've watched a few Wisconsin games and I've watched a few Minnesota games and they are, they are on different levels from what it is. I think the only chance Wisconsin has to win that game and to get to the, the finals is if Cole Caulfield just goes off, um, which is always a possibility with him. So, um, I think it'll be Minnesota, and then I think Boston College will also beat North Dakota. I just think they they are a high powered scoring team, and I think they're going to find their way to the to the finals. Then we have in the finals, so that'll be at uh, PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I believe Minnesota will come out on top. I got the Gophers winning four to three and taking the national championship. Like I said from the beginning, Minnesota just has been the number one to number three team in the rankings the entire season. They've been the most consistent besides like maybe a, a week of, of poor play when they played Wisconsin. They've been the most consistent. They have the most firepower. Their top line is, is unbelievable. Uh, their scores and they have an incredible goaltender. So I think Minnesota wins the national title, but I am very, very excited to watch that, that tournament field. And I encourage all of you, if you don't watch college hockey, find your way to watch it. Uh, the national, the fi- Frozen Four, at least, if not more, will be on, on national TV. So please check those games out. They're very, very exciting. And hopefully they pump some crowd noise into those arenas or something. Because the only thing that's a bummer about it is, just like the NHL, it's just quiet as can be when they score some goals. So Minnesota come out in the national championship now, let's jump right into the NHL um, for the rest of the season. So, as we've seen for the last, since when was the season? January 13th, I believe the season started. So, uh, we're looking at almost two months now since the season. I think we're at the quarter point for most teams. <clears throat> and we have already seen just the most dramatic changes in the schedule. Um you know, COVID, we knew COVID was going to happen. We knew teams were going to have issues with it. It happened before the season with Dallas. It happened right away with teams like Carolina and New Jersey got hit hard with it. Minnesota got hit hard with it. Recently, Vegas and I think Colorado also both got it. Most teams in the NHL, except for the North, um, which is a topic for another time, but no one in Canada has had any issues with it. Uh, so something maybe we should be doing better down here below the border, but um we knew that was going to happen and they had some space between when they wanted to start the playoffs for that reason, because they knew there was going to be games that needed to be rescheduled. But looking at it now, the big two questions are what happens if you cannot play 56 games because you can't for the health and safety of players, you can't ask them to play 40 games in 50 nights or even 40 games in 70 nights you know it just can't you can't do that you have to play there's a reason why hockey doesn't play the two a days and and every night games like baseball and some other sports it's because hockey takes so much out of a player and so much goes into every game not saying not nothing against baseball or anything like that but it's just a different atmosphere it's a it's a physical sport it's a contact sport and i you cannot play that many games in that long so what happens when these games get you know let's say games get postponed you know, a team misses 10 games and they have to postpone them. What if there's not enough time left? Or what happens when a game gets rescheduled that's later in the year? You know, what if what if we're in April and the third to last game and, and the fourth to last game both get postponed? Now where do you push those games? Because now that team is probably already playing postponed games past those games, uh, if that makes sense, at the end of the season. So what happens if they don't play 56 games? Let's go at that first. Um, the talk of the NHL is that they're going to have to use win percentage. 
um, instead of actual points, which is really interesting. That hasn't been decided yet. That's just what they're, they're thinking is going to be that seems like the only option. Um, and that's because you can't, you cannot just say they're going to all play eventually because if that's the case and they really do try to make every team play 56 games, you're going to have teams playing three games in four nights back to back to back to back to back to back over and over again. Then you're also going to have teams that are playing the best team in their conference five times at the end of the year when other teams are not playing the best teams. Um, and then you're going to have, you're just going to have guys getting injured and you're going to have way too much going on. So what I think will happen is they're going to go by win percentage, which for the teams that play off at these six games will be the same as their, you know, it'll be the same as the point situation. And with the teams that don't, they'll have a chance to be caught up. You know, you look at a team like Dallas, who's now like, I think they're eight, if not nine games behind everybody else um, because they've gotten so many games postponed uh, with COVID. And then also with the snowstorm power outages, um, you got just everything canceling games this season. But I think that what they'll do is the win percentage. And then when, what you do with that is now you have um, a list where you can look at that t- during the season. So whether or not players say it's, it's distracting or not, it's distracting to not be in a playoff spot. No matter what, you can look at at your your lineup or the standings and see that you are nine points behind the first place team. And even if you've played seven less games, it still doesn't look good. I know the feeling looking at your at your standings and knowing that you are not above that playoff line. And now if this starts to be you know a conversation that happens, now teams can look at it and just take that mental edge out of it. So now you look at win percentage and all of a sudden, okay, we are point, you know, point one behind this team. We are not 12 points behind them, uh, if that makes sense. So now it'll help teams a little bit that are, that are behind, especially Dallas, New Jersey, those teams that have played very little games, to be able to just look at we're in the playoffs right now, you know, as long as we keep winning. Now, of course, that means if they do play 56 games, they're going to have to win those games. It's not like that win percentage just stays the same. But it just takes a little bit of the of the negativity and the stress away from these players and these coaches where they can kind of look at it a little bit different way. Um, now, but the other thing is with the remaining schedule, like I mentioned, now you're going to get the question of, it almost feels like the college hockey where the opponent now becomes into play because if a team doesn't play 56 games, let's say, let's take the central division. Let's look, Tampa plays all 56 games. Let's say Dallas does not. So you have those two teams Dallas has played five less games. Now Dallas doesn't have to play. Let's say they got their games canceled against Carolina and Tampa, and those games never got played. Whereas Tampa had to play Carolina and Florida at the end of their season. Now you get the argument from from Tampa where it's like, okay, let's say Dallas, if Dallas took over and won the, the conference or division, that's not fair because they would have had to play not only us directly, but other better teams in the division before the end of the season. So they basically got a, a buy from playing better teams. And now they're their end of their season. They played Detroit four times and Chicago twice, although Chicago is playing well right now, but the lower end teams of the division at the end of the season. So it's an argument both ways. And then you get other teams that are thinking the same thing where now I, as, as a team don't get to play the easier games that are towards the end of the year. You know, your the schedule is laid out. It's randomized the way they do it. 
And so now if you're playing a really good team towards the end of the year, you might catch a break where that game gets canceled and they just have to completely throw it off the schedule. And now you don't play that game. So now your win percentage is sitting a little bit above where it would have been because you probably would have lost one or two of those games. So again, just like college, it's gray area, gray area. It's just so much of a question mark that we don't really know what's going to happen. And I do not believe that everyone will play 56 games. It just doesn't seem like it's possible. We have, I don't think we've gone a week without one team having to postpone a game, if not more. And I don't think we're going to. It's not like we're, we're a week away from getting out of this COVID situation. And the problem, the big problem is that a lot of these cities have fans allowed in the stadium. A lot of these cities have restaurants around the stadium open. They got people that are able to leave the hotel. And I hate to say it, but a, a bunch of 20 to 30-year-olds sitting in a hotel all weekend are going to have trouble not going to a restaurant for dinner or going to have trouble not sitting in the, you know, you get the, the capitals where they have four guys just want to hang out in their own, in the hotel room together. And it's just, it's going to happen and it's inevitable. And that's the way we are, especially in, in our country where we, we want to be out there. We want to be social and we're not, we're just, we have not shown that we're capable of resent resisting those temptations. So I don't think they're going to play 56 games. I think they're going to go in percentage and it's going to be really interesting to see how those scheduling, you know, tidbits help some teams and hurt other teams towards the end of the year. So once again, we're going to be in for a, a wild ride towards the end of the season, the last couple of weeks where teams are, I think going to be jumping way up and down the standings and those playoff spots are never going to be safe uh, for the most part. So speaking of playoffs though, let's get into this final topic here. The options for the playoffs, and you know, I would love to hear all of the different ideas that the NHL has. Unfortunately, they don't release a whole lot of, of them, so I kind of put together my own and what I've heard um, that the options could be. And the idea, let's say start beginning of the season, uh, end of last year towards the beginning of this year, the NHL was hoping that we were going to be playing the playoffs in home stadiums with at least semi-full arenas. They were hoping, you know, Gary Bettman said multiple times, we hope to have fans fully filling the stadiums. And I think a lot of people thought that might be a possibility. Um, now it's not. Let's just let's just be blunt and honest. When we get to April and May, we are not going to be selling out 25,000, 30,000 tickets to a, a hockey game. Maybe Florida because they don't, they don't really have as many rules. But we're not going to have that. So the full regular playoffs don't seem to be able to happen. Now, the, the other plan was to do it the same way they're doing now. So standard playoffs, everything's the same, except obviously no fans or some, some fans in some arenas. But then you have to look at that as, okay, what happens now? If, we're tra- if you're going to have us all travel to, uh, to other teams, what happens if the Carolina-Florida series gets a COVID flare-up? Now, all of a sudden, they have to miss three games. Uh, or more because the playoff series is so rapid with the games. Now they have to miss a couple games, but everyone else is playing. So do they wait for them to to come back? So now you have a Dallas or Tampa or whoever else waiting for that other team for a week till they're done? Or do you... I, I just don't know. I don't know how they would do it, and I don't think it's safe to do it um, because there's there's places that are more dangerous than others in the country right now. Florida being one of them, um, you know, LA being one of them, New York being one of them. And I just don't know how teams would, would be traveling. And 
and doing all these things. And then, of course, you look at they can't possibly go to the regular 2-2-1-1-1 matchups. It'll probably be like a 3-3 three, three, uh, home and away for the for the teams or a you know three three one or whatever they might do to to switch it up but you have to eliminate some travel in there and some stadiums having fans and some not is obviously an automatic you know players have said that even with two thousand fans or four thousand fans it is vastly different than an empty arena um, in a good way so you get the home ice advantage where where now a team you know let's say they go play in uh, in California there's no fans there so the home ice advantage is only home ice advantage because you're at home with your family and the other team isn't. But then you also look at, well, now we're at home with our family. We're going home. The other team is in the hotel and they're, they're basically in a bubble. So again, tons of areas. I don't know how they're going to do it if they did try to do the standard uh, way of doing it. And you look at the divisions and the divisions were the main part point for the divisions was to eliminate some of the travel, but some of the teams are traveling all over the place. You got teams that are that are traveling way further than other teams. Up in Canada, they're flying all the way across the whole country in order to play some of those games. So the travel is going to be is going to be a lot no matter what the divisions are. It's a little bit less for some teams, you know, if you get a a California matchup, they're going to play each other very closely or you get more the East Coast, you know, tri-state area teams, they're going to be a lot closer, but the other, there's a lot of travel that's going to happen, which would complicate just going to complicate these things um, and make it really difficult. So standard is going to be really difficult. Then you have the full bubble, which the commissioner and the NHL has said they don't want to do a full bubble for the full playoffs because that was hectic for those players. And the stuff that they had to go through to not see their families for two months uh, for the teams that made it to the finals and all of the security that had to go into it, all of the resources that had to go into it, the mental part of it. I mean, you saw games where a team scored three goals and then gave up seven straight to lose because they were in this bubble. So you, it's very hard to be mentally strong. You see teams that come out and are supposed to be really good teams, and then they lose, like Pittsburgh or um, you know teams that were not or Boston teams that were probably going to do a lot better if they were playing a standard playoff. But the bubble is a tough situation. So the commissioner has said he doesn't want to do it, the full playoffs, but they've talked about possibly doing a hybrid, which is the third option here, um, which seems like a good option where the first two rounds are standard. Uh, however, they do the standard. I'm going to, I'm using air quotes over here. Uh, you guys can't see, but the standard is not going to happen. It's not going to be actually standard, but what I mean by standard is traveling to the home team's arena and playing in that arena for however many games and then traveling to the visiting team, the lower seeds arena, and playing games in those arenas. So the hybrid that they're suggesting is doing the the first two rounds that way and the final four in a bubble, uh, which was part of the talk originally last year as well. And I think that's a good idea because, I mean, what's the final four going to be? Two weeks, two and a half weeks maybe? Um, so that's not too much time where it's going to start really taking a toll on the players and it's going to really affect the game. So I think if they're able to figure out the big question for them is how do they do the standard part of the playoffs? How do they do it with the games? How do they do it with the arenas? How do they do it with the fans? And, you know, will they be able to figure it out where it's fair? Because that's, that's the most important thing is to make it fair. Obviously, sorry, health is the most important thing. So can we make it healthy and can we make it fair? 
And there's a lot that goes into those two points that they're going to have to figure out, um, you know, going forward. And as as far as we've seen, everything's against sports, not just COVID. We have power outages in Dallas that are canceling games. We had yesterday Lake Tahoe. The sun was too – it was too nice of a day for them to be able to play that outdoor game on Lake Tahoe. They had to delay it till. 3 o'clock in the morning Eastern time, which no one could stay up for to watch because the sun was melting the ice in certain parts. Of course, they're playing a hockey game in California, Nevada border, so it's going to be a problem. But it just seems like there's so many things against the hockey and other sports playing and finishing the year that it's going to be it's going to be wild. Um, football did a good job. Football played their games. They had some fans. They had they did it. They didn't have a ton of of COVID flare-ups, they didn't have a ton of issues, but you also saw that some players were missing or some players were out for a week, um, and that comes into it. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they do it. I think the hybrid is the best idea for right now. I just don't think you can play all of it in a regular home-and-away sta- uh, standard such situation, and I don't think you can go jump up to, to Edmonton or wherever they pick and play the full bubble again either. Um but it'll be interesting, and I don't know what's going to happen, and that's why it's exciting. So um, I am, as much as I say it's exciting, and as much as it's been fun trying to figure out what's going to happen and what happens if this and what if and if and if, I know that for me and all fans, and then especially for the players, coaches, and the entire actual NHL organization, they cannot wait to get out of this. And we are all in this country and all around the world excited to get out of this COVID situation for so many reasons. But as far as hockey, I cannot imagine the logistic nightmare that has gone into planning all of these games and all of these playoffs and all of these things that have happened where they've had to cancel all of these money-making events, all of these national events. We've canceled the Olympics. We've canceled uh, juniors last year. We've canceled the Frozen Four last year. We got no fans. We got, It's just been it's been crazy and I can't imagine how it is going into it and planning it. So I speak for everybody. I I believe when I say, please stay indoors, please stay safe, avoid temptation and let's get out of this as fast as possible. And let's get some sports back in real life. Let's go see some concerts. Let's go see some hockey games. Let's enjoy each other's company. Please, 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 please. So in the meantime, Enjoy the college hockey end of the season and the the Frozen Four. Enjoy the end of the NHL season and whatever happens in the playoffs. And I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you next week for the Slapshot Podcast. <laughs>